I hope you'll be able to um, start your Christmas morning um, at 10.30 with us, um, if you're able to, um, for 45 minutes tomorrow. Um, and it's always great to give the honour to the Lord first thing um, in, on Christmas morning. So if you're able to and you're around, you're very welcome to come and join us. The Angel Voices. This is part two. Last week I spoke about the Angel Voices again. and We looked at what the angels saw as important. Glory to God. It's not about us. Christmas is not about you. It's about God. Glory to God. And that was the angels' voices last week. But this week, we're looking at them again, and tomorrow we're going to look at them a third time. But the angels this week said something different. The first thing that I really want to look at is, I want to really look at the, the, the messengers. Phil, I think our thing is not clicking again. Ah. Thank you, Phil. The messengers. You see, at Christmas, everyone starts speaking about angels. Nobody asks any questions about who these messengers are, what their role are meant to be, but we just speak about angels, angels in the sky speaking to shepherds, angel going out to visit Mary, speaking to her. We talk about angels. And yet, it seems to me that no one really knows what angels are all about. In fact, one person spoke to me and said to me the other day, oh, angels are the most higher form of God's creation. Well, he's wrong. They're not. In fact, the Bible will tell us about angels very clearly. It doesn't give us any room to, to doubt or to question. The Bible speaks about angels. And they said in Hebrews 1.14, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Angels are servants ministering spirits. Their aim and their purpose is to deliver the very word of God. They are not allowed to change a syllable. Not allowed to give their interpretation or their slant to it. Their job is to give the word of God exactly as they have heard it from God himself. But not only that... They are servants to those who will become Christians. They are ministering spirit sent to serve men and women who will hear God's word. And so wherever you find men and women, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're black or white, whether they are from a different culture, a nation, every creed under heaven, wherever you find people, angels will go and serve them so that they might be among those who will inherit the kingdom of God. That is the role of angels. But not only that, I want you to see that angels are not greater than men. And I thought you, some of you are saying, well, hold on. Uh, angels not greater than men. What do you mean? I mean, 
Surely angels are. They, you know, they, you know, they see God and, 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 and they move around. Surely angels are, are greater than men, but they're not. Because the Bible clearly tells us about these servants. And it says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These are the people who write, wrote the Bible. They're not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. I want to say to you this morning that the gospel is so wonderful. It's given to you to believe. It's given to you to understand. It's given you to, 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 to grab hold of, to lay hold of. But angels long to look in and to understand why does God love men and women the way he loves them. Angels long to look into it themselves. And so we have angels. And the gospel is not for angels. The good news is not for ministering spirits. No. The gospel is for you. The word of God was not written for angels. The word of God was written for you. The Holy Spirit wrote God's word. So that you can understand it. Jesus Christ came so that you might be saved. God said in his word. For God so loved the world. And that is you. God had his focus not upon angels but upon men and women, you and me. In fact, in Galatians 1.8, it says here, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Even if an angel came down from heaven and told you something that is not in that book, the Bible says, let that angel be accursed. That's how high God's word is. It's written so that men and women might understand the way of salvation. It's written that men and women will understand that God loves them. And if an angel comes and change it about, then that angel is damned. That's how important the word of God is compared to angels. So here we have it. We have angels speaking. And nobody questions why are they speaking. No one questions what are they doing. But we see them all throughout the Christmas story. Angels speaking. But angels are speaking in order to serve you at Golden's Church this morning. So that you will hear his word. So that you will believe the gospel. That is their role. That is their purpose. They are servants of the living God. Okay, these servants, these messengers, what is their message? Well, the message in Luke 2, 11, here it is. And we're going to stay with this verse, really. Today, this is the angel speaking. They're speaking to the shepherds. And they said, today, in a town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. Now, Sadly, most people don't really understand the word, the name Christ. They think Jesus Christ. They think that Christ is Jesus' second name. 
like your name might be Smith or your name might be um, Jones and um, Jesus' name, well, his first name is Jesus and his second name is Christ. That's not so. In fact, a better translation to this will be the word Messiah. I think that's on the board as well. Messiah. Messiah is a better title to understand it. Jesus the Messiah. You see, the word Messiah actually means anointed one or chosen one or even promised one. So Jesus Christ, not just a name, his first name is Jesus, his name is the name is Christ. No, Christ means the same as Messiah, but Messiah is a title. And Jesus has this title, and that title is that he is the promised one, the anointed one. So what the angels was turning around and saying, they were saying this, that this baby that is born in the in Bethlehem, this baby that you see in the manger, this one is anointed by God. Not only is he anointed by God, but this one is chosen by God. And not only is he chosen by God, but this one has been promised by God. You know, somebody promises you your salary, your wages before Christmas, and you don't get it you're not very happy. When somebody promises you something, especially when you need it, and you don't get it, you're so disappointed. But when you receive something that has been promised, look at Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son. Here was a promise that God said, I one day I'm going to send a a saviour. One day I'm going to send a messiah. One day I'm going to send someone anointed. Someone who I have promised. Someone who I've chosen. One day I'm going to send him. And the angel said, turn around and said, he's here. He's in Bethlehem. And the question we ought to ask ourselves is, why was he promised? That's the question. Why was he promised? Well, it seems to me that men and women have got themselves into some serious difficulty. Sin has come into the world. Now, the problem with sin is this. Sin is a cruel master. Sin is a cruel task master. Makes a slave out of everybody. Paul writing in Romans chapter 7, he says this, these words. Romans 7, he says this, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. I wonder how many people can put their hands up to that as well. The good that I want to do, I just don't do. But the horrible things, the evil things, the things that I hate, the things that I don't want to do, somehow I'm finding myself doing those things. 
Why is it even I don't want to lie, I'm finding myself lying? Why is it that I don't want to hate, I find myself hating? Why is it that I don't want to be bitter, I find myself being bitter? Why is it that everything I don't want to do, I'm doing? And the good that I would like to do, I find it so difficult. I'll tell you why. Because sin is your master. Has a control. And takes a hold of your thinking, a hold of your heart, a hold of your actions. And behind sin stands the devil himself. And the devil turns around and he wants to tempt and he wants to draw men and women away from God. And the devil himself wants to do so because he wants you to fall under his own judgment. He wants you to end up where he's going. He wants you to finish up where he's going to finish up. Therefore, he will throw out every bag of sin he's got, every trick he, he has in his bag. He'll throw it out to you. Why? Because he wants you to be where he is. So God, for this reason, has said, I've got a promised one that I need to send. I have a chosen one that needs to enter into the world. I have got an anointed one that needs to be born in Bethlehem. I have someone. Why? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly why in 1 John. Look what the word of God says. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared. The reason the Son of God was found in Bethlehem. The reason the Son of God was found in the manger. The reason why shepherds and wise men went to see him in that place in Bethlehem. The reason why the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he appeared. Because men like you and me, women like you out there, you are in trouble. Sin is your master. Sin has made you a slave. The good you want to do, you cannot do. The evil you hate, that's what you continue to do. That is sin running riot in the lives of men and women. But someone has appeared. Someone who's anointed has come. Someone has turned up. In Bethlehem. And the reason why he has come is to destroy. Not just to do a little bit of a scuffle here and there with the devil. No, no, no. To destroy the works of the devil. Amen. I hope you guys are alive this morning. I don't want to preach to a dead crowd this morning. Wow. The reason why Jesus appeared is to destroy the devil's work. Let's go on to, the, to my last and final point this morning and speak about the authority. And not only did the angels speak of the Messiah, the Christ, but it says something else that many people tend to either forget, overlook, or not realize. Because they know that Jesus has come as the Messiah. And they like that. He's come to deliver them from sin, the promised one. 
He's come to rescue them from the enemy's clutches and to deliver them from the hand of the devil. We are like that. But it's something else the angel said. What else did the angel say? Well, here we have it in that same verse um, in Luke chapter 2. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ. Amen. The Lord. He is Christ. The Lord. Now the words were first spoken. These words were first spoken to shepherds. They weren't the brightest lights on the Christmas tree. You know, sometimes I'm driving and, and when I'm driving, I'm stuck in a hate. In, we all hate being in a traffic jam, don't we? Hate, hate being in, in a queue. We look up and there's roadworks. So you sit in the car for half an hour as all the lanes have been closed, except for one. And as you drive up and you finally, after 45 minutes, get to that one lane, you squeeze through, you look out the window, and there's five roadmen standing around looking into a hole. And one guy is digging. And you just think to yourself, crying out loud. So you wind down your window and you say to them something like, you know, stop procrastinating and get on with your work. And they turn around and say, what did he say? I think he was speaking French, wasn't he? Damn foreigners. Not understand what the word procrastinating means. Now, I'm not picking on road workers. I'm sure there's some intelligent work or road worker men out there. But they're not the brightest spark. If you're a roadman, please don't fight me at the end of the service. But the shepherds were like that. The shepherds were not the cleverest men in Jerusalem. In fact, they were mostly uneducated men. And so they didn't really, they may not understood the word Messiah because they couldn't really find it out in the Old Testament. They couldn't even, probably couldn't even read what the Old Testament say about the Messiah. They weren't very clever. They weren't educated. But when the angel said, the Lord, they had to stop. Because they had a Lord. You see, those shepherds had people who owned the sheep. Their lord and their boss were the man who paid their wages. Their lord was the boss who ultimately fired them or hired them. These men knew about lords. Their lords not only owned the sheep, but they owned cattle, they owned donkeys, they owned property, they owned land. These men were lords, and he knew about lords. Not only that, but these shepherds also knew that these lords have respect. Many people respect them. Their names are known. People bow to them and scrape to them. People give them the highest seat at a dinner table. These men are lords, and these shepherds knew about Lord. So when these angels appeared in heaven and in, in, the, in the sky and they said, a Lord has been born to you. They had to go and find out what it's all about. Because to them, this Lord that was born in Bethlehem demands Honour and respect. This Lord 
that was born in Bethlehem demands men to bow to him and give him the highest place in their lives. Did you know that angels are not meant to be worshipped? Did you know that? We see in Revelation, let's give you an example of that. In Revelation chapter 22, we have um, John, um, and he was there speaking to angels. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your fellow prophets. Don't worship me, the angel said. Angels are not meant to be worshipped. But Jesus, on the other hand, is different. Even while he was walking on the face of the earth, look what happens in Matthew chapter, um, in Matthew chapter 14. We have these words. And when they climbed into the boat, the disciples, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. And Jesus did not say, oh, don't worship me. You know, I'm just like you. No. He accepted their worship. They worshipped him. In fact, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, would have everyone worshipping him. Look what it says in the Bible in Philippians chapter 2. But he has given the name that's above every name. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is not an angel that men should not worship. No, he is different. He is a Lord and demands worship from all men, wherever you may find him. And the shepherds knew that this Lord must be different to their lords because this angel is telling them that this Lord is born in Bethlehem. But not only that, the Lord Lord also is Lord because he owns everything. Somebody said to me the other day, you don't believe that Jesus ordered the wind and the waves to be still and they obeyed him. You don't really believe that, do you? You don't really believe that Jesus actually walked on water, really? You don't really believe that, do you? Absolutely, I do. Why? Because he owns the wind and the waves. Because he created the sea. Look what Colossians 1.16 says about Jesus. For in him all things were created... Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He owns everything. The psalmist turns around and says something else in the psalms. He turns around and says, for every animal of the forest is mine, says the Lord, and the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. In other words, everything you see Belongs to me, says the Lord. He is the Lord. 
and this one that was born in Bethlehem, this shepherd heard about lords and he know that their lords own a few sheep and they own a few cattle, but God said, every sheep belongs to me. But not only that, they knew that he was Lord because this baby born in Bethlehem was Lord because he's the owner of men and women. Let me take you back to Genesis 2 verse 7. Look at this word. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Whose breath was breathed into the man in the first place? Whose breath came out from his own being and entered into the being of this man who was made from dust of the earth? It was the breath of God that breathed into this man. But someone would turn around and say to me, oh yeah, well I don't believe your God. In fact, I don't believe in the creation at all. I believe that we evolve over millions and millions of years. Some people may say that. But let me ask you, when you die and go into the ground, what happens to you? Well, let God tell you. God tells you in Genesis Chapter 3, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. Oh, you might have some high thoughts about yourself. You might think that you're very great and you've been involved in for a million years, but when you go into the ground, God says, you know what, I've made you from the ground. And from dust you are, and dust you shall return. And I'll tell you something else, says God. I breathed into your lungs. And I gave you life. And God would turn around and say, do you know something? Because I am Lord, I can call that breath back to myself again. Because you belong to me. You cannot hold your breath any longer than what I've given it to you. The time will come when I will say to you, give me back what I have given you. Give me the breath that I've breathed into your lungs. In fact, we're here today and every breath we take, God is saying, I love you. Every breath you take today, God is saying, I still have my hand of blessing on you. Every breath you breathe, God is still saying, I'm watching you and I'm caring over you. But it will come a time. And I'll call my breath back home. I like what Jesus says in John eleven twenty five. He says this. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even though he dies. I am the resurrection of life. Don't you worry about breathing here and not breathing there. I want to tell you, if you believe in me, you will never die, says Jesus. Because the death that you die here will only be temporary because I will carry you over the river. I will carry you over the, 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 the threshold of death and I will bring you into my very presence. Why? Because I am 
Lord. This message the angels gave. These servants of God. Now, no one really talk about, no one really speak about the angels, but the angels are there because they're servants and they've come with one message. God's message, not their own. They haven't come that you might worship them. Some people like having angels all around their houses and pictures of angels and, and, and drawings of angels and little ornaments of angels. It's not about angels. It's about what God is doing in you through their word. And as they speak, they say in Luke 2.11, these words, Today, in a town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the promised one. Way back in history, God said, I'm going to send the promised one. Today, this promised one has come. But not only is he Christ, some of you may forget, he is Lord as well. And this Christ who is Lord is Lord of all things. He's Lord of this Sunday. He's Lord of tomorrow when we remember his coming. He's Lord of that day too. In fact, he's Lord of every single day. Back in the day, when I was younger, people used to speak about the Lord's Day. And the Lord's Day was always the Sunday. But every day, is the Lord's day. And he's your Lord. But you may say to me, yeah, but I don't want him. He's still your Lord. He's your Lord. But I don't believe in him. He is still your Lord. He is your Lord. But I'm not following him. That's not matter. You are still under his authority. And as long as you live, as long as he's given you breath, you still belong to him. And one day God will turn around and say, enough. You had your Christmases. You had your drinking and your eating. You had it all. I'm calling back that breath that I've given you. Why? Because I am your Lord. I praise God that we're here this morning. And we're breathing praises to God. We're hearing his word. Do you know you could be somewhere else this morning? Do you know that car parks are full this morning? Do you know that there's people thinking about other things this morning? But praise be to God, he put it in your heart that you'll come and hear a word from him. May you, if you're not a believer today, may you come this morning and say, Jesus Christ, that baby that was born in the manger, I know you are the Messiah. I know that you are the Christ, but I've come to make you my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray.